0: about this series, and as I said before, I was gone most of the week uh, at a conference, and lo and behold, majority of what was spoken about was the fact that we are called and appointed. And I was like, God, what is going on? And he's like, listen, I'm trying to tell my kids how much I care for them, how much I love them, how much I have a personal word for them. And so he's like, just simmer down, just listen, and just obey. And I said, yes, sir. And so, uh, you know, because this is how the enemy works. If everyone else is saying it, maybe I, you know, should say something else because they're going to hear, you know, they're going to say it better than I'm going to say it and all of this. And I said, shush your mouth, devil. I'm just going to, if I say the same thing, it's going to get it in us. And so I'm sharing that today. So say this with me, I'm called. Say it again, I'm called. Say one more time, I'm called. Today we're going to concentrate heavy on the calling. And over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been laying some of the groundwork of this. And, and, and I said before that my, I, my, my mission as a minister, as a pastor, my heart is that you would see who God says you are. That, that's my deepest desire. I will always go in that direction and in that way, because what I, I believe is if you can see as God sees you, then you'll be able to believe and do what God has called you to do. This is m- my mantra, if you will. This is what I believe because it's, been, it's happened in my life so many times where I begin to, if I begin to doubt and begin to look at me, just Jason, I'm like, there's no way that I can do what you've called me to do. But you know what's cool about how God works is that God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. And today, I am preparing to be prepared. How about you? How many are ready to be prepared by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today? Amen? We've been starting off with this scripture. I'm going to read it for you in 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. This is kind of the foundational text. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own appointed, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you, say called, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We've been looking at this call over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that we started off with was that God had established who he was i think it's important that god establishes who he is so that because why because sometimes the anyone will say who do you think you are you're called who said you're called and it begins to chip away at the foundation and so what i believe is that if we first get that foundation that god called me god himself called us there's hundreds of scriptures throughout the old and the new talking about the called and and so understand that we set the foundation that when we begin to to look at God and glorify God and use him as the foundation then we can say the man who called me can certainly back it that is God does that make sense does that make sense to you over here how about in here does this make sense to you God has called you and he sees that if we will take that foundation understand, Someone asked me, you said, what, you know, what it's called, God called me to? I'm going to give you quick. It's not in your notes. If you want to, just a quick message to research, God has called you to salvation. God has called you to sanctification. And God has called you to be service. You can look at that. and, and to, but, but what we're looking at, as we're looking at today, see, we started off with a foundation. That's salvation. We are saved and we have salvation because of Christ in us. But it was God's desire so much so that he loved you and me so much that he sent Jesus. He came, he lived, and he died to be an advocate, to take the place to cover the, our sin. He was the one that paid the penalty of what I have done wrong, what you have done wrong. Jesus came, he lived, and he died. And he took on that so we could be saved. Praise God. And so God first calls us to salvation, calls us, yeah, sorry everybody, calls us to salvation. Now we're, we're kind of switched gears and we're looking at the sanctification part. That's the theological word for what we're teaching today. The sanctification part is kind of like the walking out part. Now make no mistake, God, Jesus, when he gave his last breath, he said, it is finished. And that is the truth. We're not trying to obtain salvation. That's done. All that we do now is we receive that gift that we couldn't pay for, but we surrender our lives. God says, if you will receive my son as your Lord and Savior, I will will commit you into your DNA as my child, and your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. He gives that guarantee. Not only does he give us the guarantee of eternal life, but he also says he has come so that we may have life and have it abundantly here on earth as well. Can I get an amen? And so as we see this sanctification walk out, means that we have, there is a process where we are taking the old man that's been buried. We are a new creation in Christ. The spirit has been reborn, but the soul is still screaming. And that's what sanctification is. It's changing, it's reconverting, it's transforming the soul. Sanctification. Last week we said this. I guess I, I want to start with this. I do want to in some way apologize. I want to apologize to you that I feel like at times over the last few weeks that I've been as I've been sharing with you that it feels like heavy, almost like it's like you guys are no good. And and this is what the enemy's been yelling at me and telling me and and I asked God, I said God, that's not my heart. If you if you you know me, that's not my heart. My heart wants to love on you and remind you who you are and and, and build you up and uplift you and he, and he he reminded me though. He said, "Listen, you talk to them as called as you're talking to the called." In other words, he's saying, "Listen, we're all in this thing called life we're walking through it together whether you hold the title of pastor or you hold the title of something else we are all called we're all appointed and what God showed me is if he ever begins to give an encouraging word, a word that would bring about something to stretch us, to 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 sometimes feel like, oh, that hurts my soul, but it stretches us. He does it not because he's trying to, to bring harm to you. He's trying to build you up. He's trying to grow us up. He's trying to allow our roots to go deeper. And he wouldn't tell you to go deeper if you weren't planted in the first place. So I've got good news. We, as we hear the news from... The, from the Father, if it's like, oh man, that, I don't know, that's kind of feels a little bit convicting. Know that He's only convicting those that are planted, He's growing up those that are ready to be matured. That's good news. And so today, I'm like, God, I, I need to be matured. I, I need to get deeper. I need to, to, to understand You more. And what I've realized over the years is that I need Him more today than I needed Him yesterday and I'll probably need him more tomorrow than I needed today and I need a word from him I need his his correction because his correction and his building up brings me to a better place brings us all to a better place and so this is what the heart is in this series and last week we talked about that God is more concerned as we're looking at what the, all of us What am I supposed to do? God was more concerned about making sure we understood who we are and becoming the who that God has called us to be. Not just the the position that he said that you are raised with Christ, but that we would live a life worthy of that position that God would say to us, I'm holy, so be holy. And we talked about that that is the very heart of a call. That the word hagias is the word, not hagendaz, sorry for all those that like ice cream, hagias. That hagias is the word that means set apart, but it's holy. And so a call is to be holy. He called you to be holy, but he's equipped you because you're holy in Christ. He takes care of it all. We talked about that we have to be more concerned as we're looking about. I, I know I was like, God, I, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to be who first. And so we talked about that. And then I'm like, okay, God, I'm the who. And he says, okay, now what's your motive for what you're doing? And then we said last week that God cares more about the who than the do. And he absolutely looks at the why more than the what. That we would look at our motives and decide why, what we're doing, and what we're doing. And this kind of leads us to our next move. Because what we can see is, I feel like I gave you a little bit of tidbit. You're like, I said, God, what am I supposed to do? Pastor, help me to know what I'm supposed to do. What's the direction and will of God for my life? And I gave you an eternal one. And, and I know for some of you, you're like, you know, that was great. Oh, that was good. But what do I do? And so I want to give you a little more practical maybe today on that, talking about really what we're asking is, what's the will of God for my life? What's the direction that God wants to go? Because I believe that each one of you here and watching, I believe that you, have, you've, you begin to believe some more strong than others, but you begin to believe that there's a call, but that also means that there must be a do, even though you're concerned about the who, because he says you're concerned about, the why more than the what. So that means that it shows that we're supposed to be doing something. But what are we supposed to do? And so we walk through life and we're trying to make decisions. How many know that decisions are hard? Decisions are hard. I'll go as simple as this. I want to sit down and watch a movie. I pull up Netflix. And I pull it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see a movie. I'm going to watch a movie. 1,400,000 movies. Um, which movie? Oh, I think I want an action movie, or whatever, or I want a lovey-dovey movie. Said no guy ever. No. Anyway, anyway. And you look at you pull up the the genre. Okay, i will get yeah. Let's get this one. All right. There's not 100. There's not 14 million anymore. Now there's only 150,000 to figure out. Decisions are hard. and You're flipping through. I, maybe I'm just telling on myself. I'm flipping through. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. You know, but before that, it's like I've, I've searched so long to find something that it's bedtime. I've got to go to bed. Forget it. Decisions can sometimes be hard. And I think in a world in that we live in, we have more decisions now than we've ever had in our nation, in our world. We have decisions all kinds. In this world, in this political realm, we got all kinds of decisions that we're facing. It's hard to make decisions. And so I, I, I was in that understanding and in that light, I want us to begin to, to ask God, how do we make decisions? And I want you to, to look at this with me. We're going to look at Acts chapter 20 today. Acts chapter 20. And this is a story really about Paul. It's kind of Paul walking out a little bit. And I'll just give you a little context as you're turning there. Uh, that Paul was, was talking about this very emotional decision that he was about ready to make. He, he's, 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 Paul is loved and he's, he's currently finding himself in, the, in, in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And the people were his people. People were loving on him, taking care of him. They were taking what his words were and they were using them and applying them and then doing them. And they're seeing great things. In fact, uh, uh, it talks about, it, you know, we know that uh, Paul got a little bit long winded. And uh, at one time he was preaching and, and this young man was listening to me. He got kind of long winded and he, he fell asleep during the sermon. Anyone ever done that? Don't raise your hand. And he's sitting on a windowsill, and he falls asleep. And he, as he falls asleep, he falls out of the windowsill in a two-story building, falls to the ground and dies. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. There's better. There's more. And so what he does is he, Paul says, don't worry. He goes out. He runs out. He throws it. The Bible says he throws himself on him. Prays, he says, hey, it's okay. No worries. He's alive. He's well. And he, he just, he, he just, and he brings them back up and he continues on. And it says, you would have thought he would have said, okay, maybe I should stop preaching for a little while. But it says he went on to preach to the rest, into the next morning. So we're going to do that today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we look and we see that, that look at this, that Paul is really having a time of his life in Ephesus. God's moving and doing. I'm not saying that he didn't face persecution and challenge. He did, absolutely. But he's seeing the move. We, read, we sang about that. He saw it Was seeing the move. And so he's making this, this kind of emotional decision. He felt at home, but he felt uh, that there was something happening. And so he calls, the, he has a prompt from the God to leave where he was to go somewhere else. He said, God's moving me on, and in Acts chapter 20 and verse 22 and 24, we're going to see, I think, four steps, processes, if you will, that Paul uses that God helps to help make decisions and to help to move and to help to live and walk in that, that divine destiny, if you will, that, that walk in his will. And so if you're always wondering, how am I going to walk in God's will, listen to this, these four steps. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. I I ask you, Father, right now that you would disconnect my brain from me and that we connect right to your spirit. That, God, I would speak your words, that you would have me speak what you would have me speak, and that you would mute everything that I'm not supposed to say and only that I would say. God, I thank you for your grace and the mercy that you've called us and you've equipped us. In this moment and this time, to be the, the either to be the speaker or the listener. But God, I thank you that you've called us all together for this purpose and this time and in this moment. And so, Father, we stand at attention. We stand. We sit at the edge of our seat, listening to you, Father, that you might reveal yourself to us. Because God, we need you. We need you this morning. So, Father, we love you and we praise you. We give you praise and glory. We lean into you now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So Paul loves to minister in Ephesus. Hard decision, he calls his elders together, and there's this kind of this emotional farewell. And so we find ourselves in chapter 20, verse 22. I'm going to read for you through 24, and then we'll look at some steps that I believe that we can find within this passage of how we might learn to walk in the will of God. In verse 22 it says, And now... Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He says, uh, he says, I feel compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to go not knowing what's going to happen to me. If you're following your handout, the very first one will jump right in. The ne- first thing we see in verse 22 is now compelled by the Spirit that as we are being led in making decisions on whether or not God is speaking and leading or not, is that Paul says, listen, and now compelled by the Spirit. So number one, it's the Spirit's prompting is what we're looking for. We first want to keep our eyes open to the Spirit prompting. Now this may seem like a mystery to you, and I just want to describe it a little bit. The word compelled by the Spirit the, is the Greek word deohonouma. numa. And deoho Numa, if we were just to break it down, deoho means to be compelled, to be bound, to be wrapped. In, in, in reality, it, it's like a cord that's wrapping its way around you, and it, you're kind of held by another. Is that compelling? Some of you may have experienced this when you first received Christ. There was something in you that just had this, I'm, compared to this, I'm compelled to say yes to Christ. There was this leading, this prompting. Now I'm going to get a little less spiritual because sometimes we over spiritualize. I want you to remind you that the flesh is also compelled. And I remember walking through the Mall of America. And I remember it wasn't, I was walking down, minding my own business. And all of a sudden, the sweet, savory smell of cinnamon and icing. And bread began to permeate my every step, and it was in that that mm, I was like, it was funny because it went like this: I'm suddenly hungry for for a cinnamon roll. I think there's a cinnamon bun around the corner. I was compelled by the aroma. Has anyone ever been compelled by aroma before? I was told, I was told several years ago that from a, one of a, uh, um, a realtor friend of ours, said that they would always either bake fresh cookies in the house or fresh bread whenever they did an open house. Because it compelled them to say, "Ha, ah, this is a good place. So just a little side note, our realtor's there. My two cents. But, but why? Because that compelling. So there's a compelling of the flesh, but God talks about this compelling, this 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 denuma that He, in the Spirit of God in us, that that will compel you. And so what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to bring that to your attention, that you pay attention to the denuma. To to pay attention to that spirit, compelling spirit that's drawing you. Listen to that. It be be like it it may be compel, you know what? I said earlier, you know, I'm just thinking about that person. I should call them. Call them. I I was I don't know, that person really heavy on my heart. I've been thinking about a lot. Pray for them. That is the that that is the very meaning of De pneuma. The compelling of the spirit—it is God walking and talking and using you to help stand in the gap for someone. There's a n- number of ways that God does this. Maybe to help somebody, maybe to start a ministry. I know that I've 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 changed my route going from one place to another because of this this unction, we'll call it. I don't think that's the way. I, I don't know why I'm not going that way. And more times than not, i have found that it was a good decision i know that all of you have conversations or have uh, have had incidents instances instances where that's kind of th- those kind of things have happened to you as well that's the spirit of god on the inside of you listen to the spirits prompting we, we you know you're like I, I don't know if i should do this or not listen to that number two Number two, if we read number two, before we get to number two point, I want to make sure we look at this in verse 22. I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. The second thing as we're following, there's going to always be a certain uncertainty. When you're walking in the will of the Father, there's always going to be a a certain amount of uncertainty. The Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please God. God says that the only way that we receive Christ, Christ, if we believe in our heart, we have faith in what God has done, and we confess through our mouth. But there is some uncertainty because we don't see him that we're receiving. We have to take it by faith. There is a a certain amount of uncertainty as we walk with Christ. And as we look at this, we ask, I know I do. I'm like, God, just show me the details, would you? But if he were to show us the details, would we walk by faith or would we walk by sight? I'm not saying that God's holding back just to, you know, like, eh, watch them trip around. No, I'm saying that he wants us to be so in tune with him and have such a relationship with him that we don't dare take a step without him. That we don't make a move without him. And it, when we make a move, it doesn't mean we're going to understand it. I don't know why I'm doing this. There's a certain amount of uncertainty. In Psalms chapter 119, verse 109, or 105, the, it says, it "says The word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Do you know that the context in this is that they would have these lamps, and as they would walk across their journey, remember that, ba- Back Way back then, there wasn't lights and, and, and everywhere every you walk. It was very dark. It was, it was, there, there wasn't the bright light city like we have today. And they had these little lamps. And these little lamps that they would carry, they, they weren't very big. And they would carry them out like this. And they weren't looking to try to figure out all of their... They were making sure they didn't step over something right there. And so it's in this understanding that God says, my word... He says, my word, my words are a lamp to your feet. They will show us our future, but he shows, almost always shows us our future by giving us a day-by-day step. Because much of us, if we would have if we would truly known all of the, the things that we're going to walk through, we might make the decision to turn the other direction. And so God says, I, I want you to, to understand. And so can I, I'm just being honest. I'm being uh, as, as transparent as possible that sometimes there's a certain amount of uncertainty that we're going to experience. I know that if you're like me, I would prefer to have... Certainty all of the time. And that's why I believe God brought Christ into our lives. So that we could be certain of one thing for sure. And this is really what this series is about. That we're called. And that we're appointed. And that he doesn't leave, he doesn't forsake, he doesn't just say good luck. But he walks alongside us. Understand that there is a certain amount of uncertainty. And I think we've all experienced that firsthand in a whole different light in 2020. But again I say it doesn't mean that God turned his, was like, oops, I, I I didn't see that coming. We didn't, but He has. And what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn for his good. There's going to be a certain amount of uncertainty. But know that God is always, always our certainty. Listen to him. Follow him. The third thing, the third thing is we look at the spirit's prompting, the spirit's uncertain, uh, the certain uncertainty. Verse 23, it's like, I know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Number three, predictable resistance. We might experience some predictable resistance. I say predictable because, listen, the enemy, he's not a creator, he's a counterfeiter. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but he doesn't have a new bag of tricks. He has the same old stuff. He's so predictable. He's absolutely predictable that he wants to destroy, but he doesn't have it. He doesn't have the right. He can't destroy you. Can I remind you of that? Because you've been bought by the blood of Christ. He has no right and he can't destroy you, but he can work to discourage you. And he works overtime. To bring discouragement, he did it at the very beginning. He began to do it to Eve, discourage her, begin to question who she was, who her real identity was in Adam and Eve, and we know what happened to that. Once you, that's why I say, once you remove your identity, once you lose who you are and what whose you are, we get ourselves, we line ourselves in a trouble, in a spot. He's predictable. Paul says I, I know that in ev- I know I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And I, I think the Lord really spoke to me he says if you're not ready to, to face opposition, he was talking to me for your obedience to God then 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 we can go back to the whos. Being the who and not the what. Now, I just want to give a little, uh, maybe a very quick testimony. Some of you have heard my story of how, um, as Jill said, we moved here. We had felt called. We lived in Phoenix, Arizona. No, uh, I wasn't, as Pastor Seller said, I was a chicken farmer. I wasn't a chicken farmer. You'll have to ask him that story. But we were in Arizona and we were going and God began to 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 pull us and began to call. We had been working in ministry, youth ministry, kids ministry and in in a part-time form and just kind of helping out and, and doing that uh, an amazing church, Life Church uh there in uh, in and, and Phoenix Scottsdale area and God began to 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 move and so he began to – we make the decision. Long story short, we made the decision to leave Phoenix. But I just want to say this. I, we had a great job. Things were going well. Michelle had her own business, um, and, and I had a, a job. We're doing well, and I went into – so we made the decision. And this is where that, that, that predictable resistance comes in. We made the decision. I went into to my boss and told them, hey, I'm ready. I, I, I'm i going to have to go. I, I've been I've – been, I, I didn't say called because they wouldn't have understood that. But we feel like we're supposed to move to Colorado Springs. But before I had the opportunity to say those words, my boss says to me, "Hey, I'm glad you called this meeting." I was like, "Great, great, thanks, yeah, good." He says, goes over the numbers. "Hey, we're doing numbers are doing great. You're, you know what you're doing." I was working primarily in I was in the photography business, but I was in the sales end of it, uh, contract. Gaining contracts from schools and all that stuff. Anyway, things were going very well. It was profitable and things are going to sit so good. He goes, in fact, we're gonna ch- switch up a little, we want to expand it, we want to get a little bigger, and so we're gonna have you do that. We're gonna hire some assistants and you're gonna get but and we're gonna double your salary. Predictable resistance. Now talk about making the decision. What? Did did I? I'm sure I heard you wrong. Double? Double? Okay. I, I wish I could say I was, you know, the mighty man of God. No, nope, no. Nope. I was like, I gotta go home and talk to my wife about this one. <laughs> and truth of the matter is, my wife had already moved, had already started to move because school was starting in Colorado, so they were already gone. So I was like, I, I called her, I said, like, you're not going to believe this. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. I felt the spirits prompting. I, 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 I was like, man, I, I, I don't, there was a certain amount of uncertainty, but we felt that. But then there was this predictable resistance where God says go and the enemy says, yeah, but. Long story short. We made the decision to listen to God. We believe, I believe God spoke to me and said that no matter how much money, no how, many we, how much wealth, the enemy is a devourer. No matter if you're at this bracket or this bracket, if you don't live in my will, the enemy leaves a door for the open for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. I said, yes, sir, we're moving on. So I felt really good about this, this decision. I was like, hey, got through that one. Praise God, alright, we're good, we're in Colorado, we're doing good, we find we're looking for these houses. What we realize is these houses were twice as much as they were supposed to be. So we bought a house that was more than we should have, we should have bought, it was way over our, our limit. We're like, oh God's got it. Predictable resistance. We went to that particular house in that particular city because that's where we wanted to put our kids into school because it wasn't a Christian school, which we'd always had our kids in, but it was a, it was a charter school that was, was was created by a bunch of pastors and leaders in, in churches throughout the area. So we're like, this is the next best thing. All right, cool. So we put them in, and not three months after school started, we get a notification that the school is closing. Predictable resistance. And all of the while, in the time that we were in Colorado, I was like, yeah, we're doing it. And it seemed like resistance after resistance after resistance. How many know that after you have a lot of resistance, you begin to question some things? And I began to look, and I was like, man, what's going on? And I began to find resistance as, and this is what we often do, and this is why it's so important to catch this. We often claim that when we see resistance that it's a sign that we're out of God's will but I would say that it might be an indication that you're going right down the path that God has for you and he's got greater in store if you'll just hold on now that's a lot easier to say on this side and that's why I want you to hear this today that as you begin to make decisions and listen to the will of God and follow after the will of God and you feel that prompting and you know that there's some uncertainty, know that there also will be predictable resistance. We finally thought we were, had a breakthrough. The church that we were working at had an open position for pastor. We were like, all right, finally, here it is. And so I, I go in to the pastor. I said, I, "I'm re- I'm putting my hat in for this one. I know." He's like, "I'm glad you did. Yeah, I, we're, yeah, I'm pulling for you." He goes, "I I need to go through the the motions. I need to you know to interview some people and just kind of make sure for the board's sake, all of that. Let's you know do that." So okay, cool. But hey, you're my guy. Whew, yeah, God, breakthrough! Finally, we're seeing something. About three days later, he calls me Michelle over his house, prepares a nice meal, we have a great time, and he sits down he's like, okay, I had some time with God, I'm like, yeah, God said I can't give you the position. What? You already said I was your guy, God said I can't do it. And he goes on to explain why, but I will tell you the truth. I didn't hear all of the whys. All I heard was the no's. Predictable resistance. And it was in those moments and in those times, and I'm telling you this, not because I'm great, but as I walk through what I realize is that each and every one of us, the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy God's desire, his destiny for your life, and he will throw everything that he has at you. And he did. Long story short, I'm so glad that he said no because that opened the door for us to have the opportunity to come here. And for this moment in this time, I believe that God was preparing and equipping because he had called us. There was a predictable resistance and when the enemy comes, they will try to stifle or stop what? I know the process is painful. I know that the, the process is a struggle. And quitting, I want to just say, quitting doesn't speed up the process. Persevering builds promise. So keep pushing through, you're going to have predictable resistance. The enemy comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life, Jesus says, and have it more abundant. Before we look at the final steps of this process tomorrow, I I just want to look back at the life of Paul. If you don't know, Paul was Saul first. Saul was not a great guy. He was not a fan of believers by any stretch of the imagination. He hated them not only did he hate them he would per, he would just go after per- persecuting them he 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 would he orders the execution this man orders the execution of Stephen a teenager that was sold out for God doing great things orders for him to be executed this was not a bad guy i mean this was a bad guy then he comes he comes across and he meets Jesus and you would have thought he had this amazing this this crazy uh, uh, encounter with God, right? He's on the road to Damascus and 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 blinded, and you know God talks to him. is like I was like big crazy, and in that idea, I'd be thinking Paul would be like off to the races, man. If I had that kind of experience, I'd be like yeah. But as we read and we look a little further, Paul after that, even after meeting and having this encounter spent three years in Arabia. He he spent three years in the desert still. He's 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 preaching in Damascus. He flee he's preaching somewhere and he flees for his life after this. And so we can see that there was some struggles. He has some struggles, he doesn't know how to to, to pay the bills and so he becomes he begins to make tents. Did you know this? This is all what Paul has done after he become Paul, Saul, after he'd become Paul, he has some struggles and eight years later, finally, eight years later, or or some say ten, Barnabas vouches for him. You understand that Paul was killing Christians. So it was hard to say believe that this guy that we wanted to come to preach at my church was okay to come preach at the church. That's what these people were thinking. Eight years, eight to ten years, Paul is dealing with this False identity of who he was or who he used to be. Barnabas finally, one of his closest friends, comes to be one of his closest friends, vouches for him. And so finally we see, as we look through this, the first one was spirits prompting, second was certain uncertainties, third was expectant resistance, and then number four, as we do these things, you'll find an uncommon confidence. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, our final passage says, however, Paul says this, however, let me just I, I should back up and read you this whole thing. And now compelled by the Spirit, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what's happening to me. Certain uncertainty. But I only know that everything in the city, uh, uh, the, everything, that every city the Holy Spirit warns me that the prison and hardships are facing me. Persistence. Persistent resistance. Verse 24. However, everybody say, however. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Uncommon confidence. I don't even, I consider my life worth nothing. He wasn't saying that he thought he was worthless. But he was saying all of the accolades and all of the thoughts and all of the grand things that happened were second to none compared to God in his life. And it's in that truth that he was able to have the confidence to continue. The task, your, your task as a believer, his task as a believer, was to testify to the good news of God's grace. When we understand who God is in our life, we'll have an uncommon confidence. So what did Paul do? After this point, what did he do? Well, we know he wrote the largest portion of the New Testament. We know that he started churches across Asia, Europe. And all of the while, Paul never had a plan. This is my five steps to growing a big church. He, He didn't have a formula. He didn't have every step. But he remembered the words of David. He remembered of those before him. Your word is a light into my path. And it was in that that he had an uncommon confidence, a confidence that only comes through Christ Jesus, a confidence that only comes as you begin to walk by faith into the calling that God has called you for. We have to trust the process. If you didn't catch that today, that's the name of this title of this message today is Trust. The process The process doesn't always feel great, and it doesn't always look as we would think it would look. But if we trust the process, God says, hey, I won't leave you, and I won't forsake you. I'm not going to forget about you. I'm not going to leave you stranded. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to carry you through. And I believe that would be the word of the Lord today because I know what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing is a lot of craziness. It's hard to hear a lot of things. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of stuff. And I think this would be why God would want us to to direct ourselves to his word, to look at how we can be in his word because he has called you out, this whole passage or the whole series was founded on what what Peter had spoken about—that you are a royal priest of a holy nation. But I want to I want to go back to the very first verse of First Peter, chapter one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ says, I'm writing to God's elect, which is another word for appointed one. He goes on to say, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus Galatia, and he goes on to all of these, who he says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Christ Jesus and the sprinkling God. By his blood, he starts off calling you appointed. He goes on to tell you about being holy, but then he goes and says you're holy because you are a royal royal priesthood, a holy nation. Over and over and over and over and over again, God has called you called. Called us called. And he's appointed us in this day and this hour. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I don't know. I don't know every story of everybody. I only know my own story. I don't know where you are right now in your walk with Christ. I don't know where you are in walking out the will of God in your life. I don't know any of those things. I can only speak for myself and where I am. I don't feel like I'm always in the right, in the ultimately in the place that I to be in. Now I'm not saying that there's something wrong. I'm just saying that I I just sense that there's always something more. That God wants. I I use the adage that. I I think God. That we're kind of like rubber bands. Well thank you. So much for calling me a rubber band. The rubber band is only. Useful. In in it. Fulfill its purpose. When it's stretched. A rubber band is just a rubber band. It won't do anything. Unless it's stretched to capacity. It's only in that stretching that it holds things together. It fulfills its purpose. And that's in that mindset. That's where I say. I'm not ultimately where I want to be yet. I think we've seen and accomplished a lot of amazing things. But God's not done. We're not done. we're, We're still here. So there must be more. God is so amazing that if you're willing, he will move, and he'll do. And I know there's some of you who say, I don't feel equipped, I don't feel like it, and this is why God was saying he wants us to remind ourselves. We're called and we're appointed. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we're not perfect, but we are ready to be perfected. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes because first and foremost, in order for us to be perfected, in order of us to, to fall into God's will, His purpose, and His destiny would be only if we would receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. I don't want to assume that everyone here, just because we're in church, means that we've, we've called on the name of Jesus to be our Lord and be our Savior. The Bible clearly says there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to righteousness. There's only, only one way to have relationship with God. is through receiving of Christ Jesus Receiving what? Receiving His grace, His mercy. Receiving that understanding that we were sinners. And He came and He lived and He died to take the sin away if we would give it to Him. That may be you today. You're like, you know what? I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I want to start with salvation. God has called me to salvation. I pray that today if you don't have not prayed that prayer or confessed that confession... That we do it today Whether you're here or you're watching online I'm going to ask you to repeat this with me Because we can't leave here today Without knowing that we know that we know That Jesus is the Lord of our life Say Father God Thank you for sending Jesus I wasn't worthy I wasn't going to make it And you sent Jesus For that purpose Forgive me, God, for going my own way, trying to do it my way. I sinned, I fell short. Forgive me, God. I receive now my calling to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I receive you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just pause for a moment because I wanted to listen, I wanted to hear The Bible says all heaven rejoices. I just wanted to hear the cheers. Someone's life was transformed and renewed by the power and possibility of God. And now I pray by the power of God, the promise of a Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you, the moment we said yes to you, You took your residence in us you deposited the very power of Christ in us Father we lean on that we need that comforter as we walk and talk as we do your will as we walk out our calling as we walk out our appointment that we would listen to you led by you Father, I thank you the Spirit not only leads and guides, but comforts. The Spirit of God heals, replaces, repairs. I declare that here in the name of Jesus. That it it includes mind, will, and emotions. That we are made whole and healed in Jesus' name. I pray health and healing over our bodies. I pray health and healing that everything we lay hands on is cleansed and made whole as we do it for you, God. I declare that no deadly thing shall harm us because of God in us that's working through us. Because you said it, God. And you declared it. And we'll believe it today. God, I thank you that you are doing a mighty move In this church, in our homes, in our community, in our world. God, we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God, we know that we're in uncertain times. We know that we'll face resistance. But God, I thank you that in you we will have an uncommon confidence. As we listen to you, as we walk in you, as we use your word to light our path. We receive that today. Father, we thank you for your promise. We love you and we praise you. God, we can't do life and we don't want to do life without you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said Amen, God's good, study these notes, look at this passage, study it out because the Spirit's prompting us, there's some uncertainty, there's going to be some resistance, we need that uncommon confidence, and we can only do that through His word. Spending time in relationship with Him. Don't forget to do that. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching. But this isn't your main source of meat. God is the one that wants to feed you. Amen? Get into His Word. Spend time with Him. Meditate on Him and in Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many are ready in that idea to give our finances today? We're going to give our finances thinking and knowing that God's got it taken care of. So we're going to give our tithe. God asks us to give a tithe. We're going to give our tithe. We're going to just trust Him. This is another part of that sanctification. We're working out the process. It doesn't make sense in our mind, but thank goodness God doesn't, have, doesn't make us understand it all. He just wants us to be obedient at all. He walks, He works it out. Amen? But I do believe that we can make a confession And so we believe in making life confessions Over our finances So I'm going to ask you to do that Remind you we're not passing a plate around But we do have some some giving stations At the back wall as you're walking out Just drop them in or you can give online Of course you can send in, in, in Into our address But let's make A statement of faith today And say this today Amen I'm going to put on my glasses so I can say it with you. According to God's word, we confess and claim jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, gifts and unexpected income, increase in sales and commissions, new clients and customers, inheritances, hidden resources, inventions, new business opportunities, lost and stolen items returned, checks in the mail, investment growth. Promotion and advancement Supernatural favor And an abundance to share with others Everybody say amen Father we give it to you We dedicate it to you We just say have your thing do your thing We just surrender it to you We know you're good You made good out of something that wasn't great That was us So God I know you're not going to stop just there That you've got more So Father we just give it to you We dedicate it to you I thank you for all the give Just a double portion blessing for those all that are giving either montarily or are sacrificing and giving and serving father we thank you for those givers today we just ask a special blessing over them in jesus mighty name father now i just pray a blessing over each person as we go out today i pray father that no evil shall befall no plague will come nigh our dwelling the father we understand that there we're in a time where persecution may come but Paul, as Paul said, we're hard pressed, but we are not broken. We, we we will not we will not be overtaken because we have you on our side. But Father, I thank you that everything they put their hand to would prosper in Jesus' name. Though we're perplexed, God, you have purpose. we reside, we, 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 we rely on that truth. And so, Father, I thank you that everything we put our hand to prospers. I think that we're blessed when we come in. We're blessed when we go out. Because we will be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. Father, we thank you for loving us and doing all that you did for us. May we honor you by being your hands and feet this week. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap. He's awesome. He's good. Come on, cheer him on. He's good. May. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Hope to see you next week bring friends and family and meanwhile god bless you we'll see you next week.